Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, it's Amy McDonald's here. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Programme. Arsenal versus Sheffield United. Sunday, October the 4th, 2020. Kickoff, 2pm. The contents, the manager, Mikel Arteta. The captain, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Voice of Arsenal. Player feature, Alex Runnison. Match action, Arsenal versus West Ham United. Convertible currency. Community. Arsenal Academy, 14 times. Forward Arsenal, my story. Match action, Leicester City versus Arsenal. Visitors, Sheffield United. Arsenal women. Match action, Liverpool versus Arsenal. And teams. Manager's Notes, Mikel Arteta. After three tough away games in a row, it's great to be back at Emirates Stadium this afternoon. We've got a fantastic record here since the start of the year, and as everybody knows, strong home form is absolutely necessary in order to have a successful season. Sometimes that means winning games where we are not at our best, and that was what happened in our last match here against West Ham. I have to admit, we were a little bit lucky in certain moments in that game, but we found a way in the end to win it, and that's the mentality I want from the team. To always believe that we can do it until the last moment, even when we have difficult games where we suffer and make it very difficult for ourselves in certain positions. But in the end, we won three points, and that's what we wanted from the game. We took some big notes from the 90 minutes because there was a lot to look at from the game, lots to work on and a lot of things to improve. We didn't find the fluency. Every time we grew the structure in the right place, we made bad choices. We played a bit with the handbrake at times after that because we gave a lot of balls away and we didn't have that fluency. What pleased me though was the quality of the goals. They were both really, really good. We created some really good movements in some phases of the game, but we weren't consistent enough and I still think that's where we have a long way to go. We faced a really difficult opponent. We knew that before the game, the way they play. I think we made it really difficult for ourselves in the first 15 minutes with the number of simple balls that we gave away. There is no structure in the world that can sustain that. 
Then, after the goal, we had much better periods where we were able to sustain and control them better. But then there was a big transition moment with one minute to go in the first half when they equalised. In the second half again, we had 15, 20 minutes when we gave simple balls away. We didn't have the right organisation. We made some changes and after we improved in the last 20, we managed to score another beautiful goal and then just man-managed the game for the last five or six minutes. The guys kept fighting and kept going and they finished the match exhausted, mentally as well. Also, you could see by the way they celebrated the winning goal, they are here for each other. I loved the way Lacker went to celebrate with Eddie as well after the goal. We carried that on in the next game at Leicester, when again we showed exactly the right attitude and approach to the game mentally. The senior players took the lead straight away and I could see that they turned up to be serious and win the game. When you win, you have to keep trying to win because things change really quickly. That's what we demand from the players, to keep competing in every game and to show desire to win every game. So we went to Anfield on Monday in a positive mood and we fought hard there, we believed and we tried, but in the end we were punished by their quality. They put you under pressure on the first, second, third, fourth ball. They keep going, they have bodies, they have quality. You put them under pressure with a perfect high press and Van Dyke hits an 80-yard ball to Mo Salah's chest. This is quality. That's why they paid 80 million for this guy, you know? But we're on a different journey. They have been together for five years. They were unable to do that after one, two, three seasons. They were unable to play at this level, but they have really good coaches. They recruited really well, they have improved the players that they had, and they have real belief in what they do, which goes back to my point of trusting the process. I wanted my players to play with character and to play our way. We just have to accept that they were better and that they are better at the moment and that we have to improve. I'm writing these notes before our Carabao Cup game against them on Thursday night, but it was the same message before that one too. This is the level that we have to reach. But it's back to the Premier League this afternoon. We have worked hard this week and we all know what we want to achieve. It will be another tough match against opponents who caused us problems last season. It's been a big run of games for us, a very busy start to the season, but we all know a good result today will send us into the international break on a real high. Thanks for your support. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. 
Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Captain's Notes, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. It seems like quite a long time ago since we played at the Emirates. We've had three games since then. But in fact, it was only two weeks ago. It's going to be like that this season. We know that and our squad are ready for it. I thought we played well at times in the first half against West Ham and deserved to get our goal. I knew once I could see my cross was well placed that Lacquer would score. He put past Lucas Fabianski really nicely. It's great to see him scoring regularly this season and I love being able to assist Lacquer as he has done the same for me plenty of times. It was his 50th goal for us as well, which was great to celebrate that with him. You have to give credit to West Ham though, as they showed a lot of spirit to get back into the match, and they got their equaliser right on half-time. I said in the notes for the match that they were dangerous. We saw it in February, so we shouldn't have been surprised by that. The second half was pretty even. We didn't play our best, to be honest. And they had the chances but I loved our winner. We kept going, kept pushing and found a way to take the points. And it had such quality. The ball to Danny showed visions and technique, then Danny to Eddie might have looked simple, but when you see how close to the keeper he was, it had to be perfect. And Eddie was there, of course, ready to answer the call. At Leicester, I thought I saw two teams taking that competition really seriously. But we had some great performance and we deserved the win against a team who are now one of the toughest in the country. I like Nico's persistence to get the assist for the own goal. I also like Teddy's attitude in still telling him that he wanted the ball. He's a striker. He sees goals. Always goals. It's how I'd want to be with me in that situation. And Eddie got his goal with a finish that showed persistence and the desire to score that's hardwired into him. Anfield in the league was tough. It always is. The first tie ever played in European football was the Europa League for Lille against Liverpool. We had a good side with Eden Hazard and we beat them at home 1-0. But then when we went to Anfield, we lost 3-0. I came on for the last 20 minutes and I got to see Torre get our third. Our 3-1 defeat on Monday saw us put under a lot of pressure. It's obvious to everybody how good a team they are, how consistent and how well they all know each other's games. But we still take a lot of big positives from it. Going ahead in the game, of course, and then having chances to get back into the match when we were 2-1 down. Lacquer was gutted he couldn't do better with the chance he had. But like I said, he's getting goals this season and we can be thankful for that. The key for us was to show that we could be brave and play the game we want to show that we can be dangerous when we had the opportunities. And I thought we did at times. It's our job, all of us, to make sure we learn from playing a team like that. That's always the case, just as as it was with the Lille team when we were beat by Torres, Gerrard, all those years ago. You just have to make sure you do learn, not just say you will. 
I have to write these notes before we played at Anfield again in the League Cup. That's a game I can discuss in the next home notes. We play Sheffield United today. And we know that this was a tricky opponent. They've had a tough start to the season. But I've seen some of their games that they've been very tight. They still look good and really well coached team. An interesting attacking movement. We played really well when we played them towards the end of last season. But I think it's fair to say it's helped us not to have the fans there who I know are really passionate. And of course, it's the same situation at the Emirates for the games. We won't have you with us. And we really miss you. It was really difficult to know this game would have no supporters. When only a few weeks ago we were looking forward to having some of you back. But we will make our own motivation for the game. And if we play as well as I know we can, we will be confident in putting Monday's result behind us and getting three points again. Voice of Arsenal. Runarsson is red. Goalkeeper Alex Runarsson has joined us on a four-year contract from French Liga 1 club Dijon. The 25-year-old Iceland international, full name Runar Alex Runarsson, joined Dijon in July 2018 and made 13 appearances for the French club in all competitions last season. Alex started his career with KR Reykjavik in his home country and went on to join FC Norrjeland in Denmark where he made 62 appearances during a three-year spell before moving to Dijon. Technical director Edu said, We're very pleased to welcome Alex to our squad. We have been monitoring him for some time and from the analysis he has strong attributes that we look for in a keeper and as a person. Manager Mikel Arteta added, We want to create a healthy competition for places and we look forward to seeing Alex bringing further depth to the goalkeeping position. Alex will wear the number 13 shirt. Welcome to Arsenal, Alex. Hear Alex's thoughts on joining Arsenal elsewhere in this communication. Programme ITK The Matchday programme team goes to the depths of the databases to find the ultimate stats and facts. Alex Runarsson's first team debut came on November 8, 2013, when he was 18 years old. He came on as a substitute for injured keeper Atli Sigur Jonsson, playing for KR Reykjavik against IBV in the Icelandic Premier Division. His opposite number in the IBV goal was a very familiar face. 43-year-old David James. Alex was told, do your best, son, when he took to the pitch. Literally. KR's manager at the time was his father, Runar Christensen. Runar, who remains manager at KR, is also Iceland's most capped player, with 104 appearances. Many played alongside ex-gunner Siggy Jonsson. Arsenal's defeat against Liverpool on Monday was our first in the month of September in any competition since 2015. 27 games unbeaten. Fans Forum On Wednesday, September 16th, the Arsenal Fans Forum held its first virtual meeting of the season with Vinay Venkatesham and colleagues in attendance. Vinay discussed a number of changes and our continued adaptation to the COVID-19 protocols but confirmed there was no great optimism at the club after a very successful end to last season. 
Other topics discussed at the meeting included how Technical Director Edu and Manager Mikel Arteta are working together, our process for signing players and the make-up and role of the Arsenal board. There were also questions from members relating to junior gunners and silver memberships. Forum members were also given information about the Arsenal Foundation's Coaching for Life programme and a subgroup will be created to see how fans can get involved in supporting this groundbreaking work. Our forum members are listed here. Their details can be found on the supporters forum section of arsenal.com. 16 to 21 year old representative, Zach Wagman. Arsenal Supporters Club, domestic, Zan Zabala. Arsenal Supporters Club, overseas, Peter Host. AISA representative, Drew Gray. Disabled supporters, Anne Hyde. Club level, Fred Dowd. Family enclosure, David Hurrell. Gold member, Robert Kramer. Red member, Ben Buxton. Over 60-year-old, John Theater. LGBT supporters representative, John White. Red Action member, Raymond Hurley. Ethnic Minority Representative, Draco Wang. Away Scheme Member, Michael Anjos. AST Member, Akil Vyas. Women's Representative, Susanna Goodband. Silver Member, Jake Kowari. Go Forth Alex. Alex Runnison will hope to be the fourth Icelander to play first-team football for Arsenal. On September 27, 1946, Albert Goodmanson joined the Gunners, making him just our second overseas player, Dutch goalkeeper Jerry Kaiser being the first. Iceland's first ever professional footballer, he played twice for the first team, as well as a number of representative games, including on our tour to Brazil in 1951. Despite him leaving the club at the end of the 1946-47 season, after being barred from playing in England and moving to AC Milan. A fascinating character, Albert was a marine engineer and successful businessman. He was also president of the Icelandic FA, became the Icelandic finance minister and even ran for president of Iceland. Albert, who died in 1994, is such a respected figure in his country that his statue stands outside the Iceland FA in Reykjavik. Siggy Jonsson was signed by George Graham on July 28, 1989 from Sheffield Wednesday. Siggy played 10 games in total for the Gunners, scoring once in a 3-0 win over QPR in the First Division. Sadly, a back injury troubled Siggy throughout his time at Highbury, and he was forced to give up his dream of starring for the Gunners in January 1992, though he later did manage to play again for Akranis back in Iceland, and played 65 times for his country. Our most recent Icelander was Olafur Ingi Skulason, who joined our academy in the summer of 2001 and played one first-team game for the team as a substitute in a 5-1 League Cup victory over Wolves on February 12, 2003. Olafur went on to have a long, distinguished career playing in Turkey for Genk Lebingli Ankara, Norway, Sondjajewski, Sweden, Hellingsburg IF, Iceland, Feilikia Reykjavik, and a long spell in Belgium at SV Zulta Varagem. Olafur played 36 times for Iceland, making his debut when a gunner, scoring once, 
and was part of their squad at the 2018 World Cup. He retired from football last season. Arsenal also had brothers Stefan and Valor Gislason on youth registrations in 1997, though neither made a first-team appearance. Win, win, win. A signed programme. Mikel Arteta is the cover star of the programme today, and we have one of our lockdown issues, versus Norwich, signed by the manager up for grabs to a programme reader if they can answer the following question. Mikel scored in only his second Premier League match as a player for Arsenal. Who were the opposition? A. Blackburn Rovers B. Swansea City C. Stoke City Answers to us via programme at arsenal.co.uk or at AFC programme on Twitter to us before the next home game, please. Congratulations. Well done to David Millett from Leighton Buzzard, who was chosen at random from the many entries we received for the competition in the West Ham issue to win a signed shirt. The answer to who was the last player in the 20th century to score on his debut was, of course, Freddie Lundberg. Arsenal, league champions, 1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1930-1
Manager, Mikel Arteta. Currently on loan. Since our last programme, Mark McGuinness has gone out on loan to Ipswich Town. Hear more about Mark's move in the Strong Young Gunners section of the programme. Mark became the 10th gunner to head out on loan. The full list of players earning valuable first-team experience elsewhere is as follows. Trey Coyle, Gillingham, League One. Tyrese John Jules, Doncaster Rovers, League One. Mark McGuinness, Ipswich Town, League One. Konstantinos Mavropanos, Stuttgart, Bundesliga. Zek Medley, Gillingham, League One. Joseph Olowu, Cork City, Irish Premier League. Jordi Oze Tutu, Cardiff City, Championship. Ben Schaaf, Coventry City, Championship. Matt Smith, Swindon Town, League One. Zach Swanson, MVV Maastricht, Erste Divisie, Dutch Tier 2. Good luck for the season, Gunners. Happy birthday. Happy 40th birthday, Ross McLaughlin. Love all your family and friends, XXX. Arsenal remembers Simon Cox, age 55, of Maypal. Passed away peacefully on September the 8th, 2020. His love of Arsenal was a big part of his life and he would want to say thank you for the great football he witnessed over the years. Arsenal's mystery manager finally unmasked. Mikel Arteta's great influence at the club recently saw his official role change from head coach to manager. The 20th man at the helm of Arsenal Football Club, there has long since been mystery surrounding the man who was second in that sequence, a man until recently known as George Elcote. Andy Kelly and Mark Andrews from the Arsenal history have been on the trail of the enigmatic George for a number of years, knowing there must be more information out there than the very limited details reproduced over the decades. And they've made quite a find. We'll let them take up the story. Arsenal had been in existence for 11 years before the directors finally succumbed and appointed the club's first manager in March 1897. That man was Thomas Mitchell, one of the biggest names in the game who had led Blackburn Rovers to FA Cup wins in 1890 and 1891, as well as being a leading light in the foundation of the Football League. Mitchell's tenure only lasted a year before falling out with the directorate, and his successor remained something of a mystery man until a few years ago. In the early histories of the club, he was known simply as Mr Elcote, before he became G. Elcote in the early 1950s Arsenal handbooks. Then in 1972, he was named as George Elcote by Geoffrey Mowbray in an issue of the Arsenal Supporters Club magazine Gunflash. And that was pretty much all that was known of him until we managed to unearth more about his past and, to much surprise, his real name. This has all been made possible by the digitisation of old newspapers by the British Newspaper Archive, which are text-searchable, as well as some old-fashioned sleuth work browsing through local newspapers at the Greenwich Heritage Centre and archive documents in the National Archives at Kew. We found references to George as W.R. Elcott in reports of meetings of Woolwich Arsenal FC and even club documents signed by him as he was also the secretary of the Woolwich Arsenal Football and Athletic Company Limited. With Elcote being an unusual name, 
we deduce that he was actually William Robeson Elcote, born near Stockton, in 1859. He had been secretary, manager of Stockton FC, who were pretty much certain to be crowned Northern League champions for the 1897-98 season before being tempted south by Arsenal. Like his predecessor, he lasted about a year in Plumstead before he too fell out with his employers and tendered his resignation. Following his departure, we know that he was considered for the vacant manager's job at Tottenham, and then we lost all trace of him except for finding out that by 1911 he had returned to Stockton to work as an accountant, and that he died the following year aged just 52. Despite unearthing a considerable amount of information on him, we had yet to find a picture of William, the only Arsenal manager who has remained faceless. That is until now. A recent post on a website by Tim Carter offered some further information on Elcote. Tim is chairman of the Brighton and Hove Albion Heritage Society, an organisation dedicated to preserving the history of the seagulls to be found at this web address, www.bhaheritage.org. He mentioned that William had been financial secretary of Brighton between 1906 and 1909 and that he had a photograph of him. We wasted no time in contacting Tim, and he confirmed that a 1907 postcard with the Brighton team and management on the front included Elcote. Tim has kindly provided us with an excellent reproduction of the photograph, and with some enhancements from Dave Lane of Legends Publishing, we are now able to reveal to Arsenal fans for the first time what William Elcote looked like. Ref Watch Today's referee is Lee Mason from Bolton. Lee has been a Premier League referee since season 2005-06. Rarely in charge of Gunners games, he was the man in the middle just once last season, presiding over our 4-0 win over Newcastle on February 16th, 2020. He didn't officiate an Arsenal match in season 2018-19, but in 2017-18 he was ref for four matches. A 2-1 home win over Swansea, the 3-1 defeat in the reverse fixture, a 1-0 win at Burnley, and a home victory, 4-1 over West Ham. Today's programme. With supporters unable to attend games at Emirates, the club have decided to continue to offer programmes for matchday delivery. We have therefore pulled our print deadlines forward, and this issue went to press prior to our Carabao Cup game at Anfield on Thursday night. It's most unusual for the previous match day not to be documented in the match day programme. Sadly, these are most unusual times. We believe the in-depth content featured in the programme is still the ideal accompaniment for this afternoon's match. Player feature. Renaissance. The Gunners' new goalkeeper discusses what type of shot-stopper we can expect to see, how Inarco Kana has already been an important influence on his game, and how he can't wait to play in the Premier League. The position of goalkeeper has evolved so much in recent times that keeping clean sheets is now regarded as just one of the many requirements of the job. Increasingly, and certainly at Arsenal, Custodians are also obliged to be excellent footballers in their own right, building play from the back 
and keeping a cool head when in possession. That's where our new signing Alex Rinosond comes in. The 25-year-old Iceland international stopper joined us from French top-flight side Lyon on September the 21st to be reunited with former goalkeeping coach Hinako Kana. Alex lists his ability with the ball at his feet as one of his main attributes, but chiefly, he just can't wait to get the opportunity to show what other talents he has too. Alex, welcome to Arsenal. Can you describe how you feel? I'm just extremely happy, extremely proud. It is a big moment for me and my family. I can't wait to get started. I know it is going to be a lot of hard work, but I am ready to do everything I can to get the most amount of minutes as possible. How did the move come about for you? When did you first hear that Arsenal were interested? I first heard about it last week when I got the phone call from my agent. I have been in some contact with Inaki because I know him from before, but I first heard about it one week ago, and it has gone very quickly. Inaki being here is a really big factor. Our relationship, since we got to know each other four years ago, has been very good. We have always been in contact even though I was playing in France and he was coaching here in England. The fact that he is here, it is very important to me that I know somebody here, and I know that he knows my qualities, and what I need to improve, and what I can bring to the club. I think we will be a very good match for the second time in my career. Back in 2017, Inaki said about you, He is a goalkeeper who will have a great future. He always wants to improve, and demands the maximum in every training session and in every game. So, how important do you think that mentality is for a goalkeeper? Not only for a goalkeeper, but all players, but maybe especially for goalkeepers, because we play a position where if we make a mistake, most of the time it will lead to a goal, so you need to have a strong mindset. You need to have a mindset where you demand the best so you don't make those mistakes too often. That's why you need to work hard, you need to train hard to be able to perform in the matches. What was it about moving to Arsenal that appealed most to you? First of all, it is one of the biggest clubs in the world. They've won the Premier League 13 times, the FA Cup 14 times. It is a huge club, and obviously playing in the Premier League as well, it is a win-win situation. How would you describe your goalkeeping style? I would say I'm a modern goalkeeper. One of my best attributes is that I'm comfortable with my feet. I can play with my right and left foot. I am not afraid to play as a sweeper, and I am a good one against one. You come into the squad fighting Bernd Leno for the number one shirt. How highly do you rate him? I think he's a fantastic goalkeeper. I have been watching him since I was playing for Bayer Leverkusen, so I know his qualities, and I hope that I can learn from him as well as push him for the number one spot. But he's a fantastic goalkeeper, and since Inaki came in, he has also improved a lot, and I hope I can push him to become even better, and I can become even better at the same time. 
Arsenal have a really strong history of great goalkeepers, people like David Seaman and Jens Lehmann. How much did you admire people like that when you were growing up? They are amazing. I remember watching Seaman play when I was a small kid. The same with Jens Lehmann. Big characters, big personalities, but also great goalkeepers. It is not easy to follow those guys, but someone has to do it. Football would be no fun without having this type of pressure, so it will be a challenge, but I'm up for it. Who else did you look up to? Growing up, I always liked the modern style of goalkeepers, the one who play in a similar style to how I do. I enjoyed watching Hugo Lloris when I came to the Premier League, playing high outside the box. I also enjoy watching Manuel Neuer, because he's one of the best goalkeepers in the world. I am still young, so I don't go back that long, but the modern style of goalkeepers who can make saves, but also contribute to the team when they are attacking. Iceland is a proud footballing nation. How excited are you to represent your country at Arsenal? I couldn't be more excited growing up as a young kid in Iceland. You watch the Icelandic League and you watch the Premier League. There's not much else that we watch football-wise. Everybody is a big fan of the Premier League and I'm just extremely proud to be able to experience it. In recent years, Icelandic football keeps getting better and better, and with the history of Icelandic players in the Premier League, like Eldur Gudjonsson and Gylfi Sigurdsson, yeah, we're a small country, but we've had some exceptional talents coming through from our youth systems. But I think it's also a question of our character, mental toughness, that helped us to achieve these things, because it's not the same growing up in Iceland where you can play football in good conditions maybe three months a year, so you need to have a little bit extra, and I think that's why Iceland has some good and great players in the Premier League. And we couldn't speak about Icelandic players without speaking about your father, Runar Kristinsson, who is Iceland's most capped player of all time. So how does it feel to be following in his footsteps? It's amazing. I'm extremely proud of him and what he achieved in his career, and I want to make him proud. We've had a very good relationship from day one. Obviously, he's my father, but I feel we have a stronger connection than most father-son relationships are, and I know he's extremely proud now. I think he would have liked to play for Arsenal as well, but he's going to have to live it through me. When I told him about it, he said, you must be joking. I had to tell him twice before he could believe me. But as for advice, it wasn't anything more than usual, just to be myself, and everything will take care of itself. Alex Runason, born Reykjavik, Iceland, February the 18th, 1995. Joined Arsenal from Dijon on September the 21st, 2020. Other clubs, KR Reykjavik, FC Nordjylland, Dijon. Internationals, Iceland, five caps. Iceland, under 21, under 19 and under 17 international. Premier League match day two, 8pm, Saturday, September 19th at the Emirates Stadium. 
Angelo Ogbonna went close early on for the visitors in a cagey opening before Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang just about beat the offside trap to stand up an inviting cross for the arriving Alexandre Lacazette to head home from six yards out. It was the Frenchman's second goal in two games and his 50th overall in an Arsenal shirt. Bakayo Saka nearly added a second just afterwards but blazed over from inside the area. Just at the end of the half, the Hammers hit back, springing a rapid counter-attack which ended with Michael Antonio sliding in from close range. Second half. We needed to improve after the break and although we continued to see plenty of the ball, the cutting edge was missing. Bernard Leno got down well to keep about Antonio's bundled effort on the line and Gabriel sliced a clearance just wide as West Ham increased the pressure. They continued to send in dangerous high crosses from the flanks and nearly got their reward when Antonio headed against the bar. We were living dangerously, but finally went ahead when Danny Caballos got free in the area and expertly cut the ball back for Eddie Nketiah, not long on the pitch as a sub, to convert from close range. Two games, two wins to kick off 2020-21, but this one was far from straightforward. Convertible currency. Football historian John Sperling looks at the evolution of Arsenal players, positions past and present. Alan Sunderland up for the cup. Following Arsenal's 1-0 FA Cup defeat at Ipswich in 1978, manager Terry Neal correctly insisted, we'll be back next year. Yet he admitted that he and Don Howe still believed the team was far too one-dimensional from an attacking point of view. Four matches into the 78-79 season, change was foisted upon them at a packed Millmore. In the third round of the League Cup match against Rotherham, clean through on goals, the gunner swashbuckling centre forward, Malcolm McDonald's cartilage ripped to shreds as he prepared to pull the trigger. Next day headline may have been all about Arsenal defeat to a third division side, but Neil and Howe realised that they'd have to find a way of coping in the long-term absence of their stole goal-getter. Not for the first time in Arsenal history, salvation lay within Alan Sunderland, an attacking midfielder signed from Wolves the previous season for £220,000, was pushed up front along Frank Stapleton, and one of Arsenal's most popular partnerships was born. Known for his assured first touch and his phenomenal ability to deliver killer passes, Sunderland brought a new deafness to Arsenal attack. I was a good fall for Frank, and we had a great understanding. I also linked well with Liam Brady and Graham Ricks, and tried to bring them into play as much as possible. I still thought a lot like a midfielder, so I could anticipate what Liam and Graham might do before they actually did it. Liam and I occasionally rotated our positions, just to keep the defenders guessing. He was not a prolific goal scorer, but possessed an uncanny ability to deliver the big occasion. In the 78-79, he netted eight league goals. Two of them came at Old Trafford at Arsenal's 2-0 smash and grab raid. Sunderland plundered a hat-trick at his team's famous 5-0 Christmas win at White Hart Lane. The plaudits went to Liam Brady for his iconic curled shot, which arched past Mark Kendall 
but Sunderland's goals all delivered after quick bursts forward also highlighted Arsenal's ability to break at speed away from home and punish the opposition. The moustache forward sometimes stood accused of drifting in and out of matches, but Frank Stapleton argued Allen was very clever at dropping back and to help out the defence when we were under the cosh. This was a vital skill in our cup runs of the era, and we were regularly put under huge pressure away from home. It was Sunderland Stapleton partnership which steered Arsenal through some of the testing FA Cup challenges. Sunderland's goal saved Arsenal in the opening round of their five-game marathon against Jack Charlton Sheffield Wednesday, and a brace from Stapleton saved Arsenal's blushes in the temperous 3-3 draw at the Owls at Philbit Street. It was the Irishman's first which saw Wednesday's resistance finally crumble in the full free play, which helped his team ease a 2-1 win. Two elegant Sunderland strikes saw off Southampton in the quarter-final, and at Villa Park, Arsenal strikers grabbed a goal apiece as the Gunners eased past Sunderland's former club, Wolves. One of the things Sunderland possessed was his ability to arrive in the right place, at the right time. Askilly insisted that he learnt as an attacking midfielder at Wolves. I scored a lot of goals at Molinix from cutbacks. If the strikers couldn't score themselves, they'll put the ball back and I'd run into it and finish it. Watching a rerun of the 1979 FA Cup final shows Anil Sunderland at his best. Although the Gunners' first goal is credited to Brian Talbot, Sunderland demonstrated his superb timing and energy and he and Talbot moved to crash the ball home. For much of the rest of the game, he chased down Manchester United attacks before in the dying seconds of the match, summoned the energy to slip Graham Ricks' cross past Grant Bailey for the Arsenal winner. In those dramatic 90 minutes, Sunderland showed his ability to fuse a wily midfielder's willingness to think outside the box. With a go poacher's instinct, Arsenal's thrilling 3-2 victory was due in no small part to the versatility of Alan Sunderland. Chris White, part-time poacher. It remains one of the strangest episodes in Arsenal history, facing a drastic shortage of strikers in the start of the 85-86 season. Paul Mariner was injured and Mead had just been released. New coach John Cartwright convinced manager Don Howe that homegrown central defender Chris White could do a job up front. White, who hadn't figured for Arsenal in 18 months, showed potential in a position when he scored six goals in a 12-0 reserve team victory over Charlton. I showed that I was quite useful as a striker simply because of my touch and I was quote mobile for a six-foot-plus player, so the staff felt it was definitely worth giving me the opportunity. In early October, Al threw White into the mix for a home against... Aston Villa at Highbury, and he partnered Tony Woodcup up front. A low crowd of 18,881 watched an end-to-end encounter and White even swivelled and scored to help give Arsenal a 3-2 victory. Woodcock and Viv Anderson also scored. His time up front at Highbury lasted only four matches before he was left out the starting line-up once again and departed to try his luck in Major League Soccer in the US. White returned to England and won the title with Leeds United in 1992, by which time he was restored to a central defender.
Community. 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 Young people still getting their kicks. Through our Premier League Kicks programme, we deliver free football sessions across Islington, Hackney, Camden and Westminster. These locations offer safe spaces for young people to play football with their peers, supported by Arsenal in the community staff, many of whom were former participants on the programme themselves. Football sessions are at the centre of the programme. However, we prioritise supporting the young people off the pitch through more of a youth work style approach. We encourage the participants to take active roles within the sessions by helping staff with refereeing and supporting coaching drills. And since the project began in 2006, we have had many examples of participants playing a positive role in their wider community. Between the months of May and August this year, while the country was on lockdown, young people from the KICKS programme went above and beyond to help those most in need in our community. A group of 11 people, made up of both former and current participants aged 18 to 28, volunteered almost 200 hours of their time to Islington Council, local food banks and community centres. They carried out tasks including helping create parcels containing food and hygiene products for vulnerable residents, delivered art supplies to the elderly who are self-isolating so they could take part in online art classes, and help create an outdoor therapy space at a local well-being centre. One of the volunteers, Qualid, was treated to a visit at his home by Arsenal legend Charlie George with the FA Cup as a thank you for his efforts during this period. The club would like to thank all of those involved in giving up their time to support those most in need during such a challenging time. Huge thanks to Qualid, Ben, Abdirashid, Josh, Kenny, Shorden, Dylan, Stasi, Asil, Isaac and Jordan. Pictured, cup winner, when the hero of our 1971 FA Cup win, Charlie presented Khalid with the cup, he asked him how he came to volunteer. There was no uni, no work, everything had just shut down, said Khalid. All smiles as he clutched the cup. And that's when my coach presented me with the idea of volunteering and I said yes, without hesitation. I ended up working at five different centres. Developing Strong Young Gunners In this issue, Young Gun, Charlie Patino, Match Report, Mixed Results Against the Saints, News, McGuinness on the Move, Remember Stephen Bradley, Young Gun, Charlie Patino, talking to Aidan Small. My first ever football club was St Albans City. I actually grew up living in London County, and I was really close to the Arsenal training ground even as a kid. But St Albans City were my first club, and I've got some great memories of playing there. We used to just turn up on a Saturday and play a game. It was as simple as that. There was no training or anything overly structured. You were basically just free to do whatever you want and play, as you should be as a kid. I knew that scouts were watching our team at the time, but you often don't know where, when or who, so you just have to keep performing when you have the chance. Looking back, though, I reckon I was so young that I didn't even understand what a scout is or what they do. I was just focused on playing football, but I remember my dad explaining it all of it to me, 
and telling me that I should take every opportunity I ever get. Anyway, one day one of the scouts from Luton contacted my dad after watching me play, and we thought it was a great opportunity for my development. That's when things started to become serious, because it was no longer solely about the fun of playing. It was about improving and bettering myself on a weekly basis and testing myself against some of the best youth teams in the country. Five years down the line, I had five of the big Premier League clubs wanting to sign me, and that was really exciting. Going to Luton from St Albans was a big step for me, but going from Luton to Arsenal was even bigger. I remember my dad explaining to me that not every boy has the opportunity to do that, and we really took the time out to make sure that we chose the right club. I'll never forget my first trip to Coney. As soon as I arrived, I told my dad that this is the place I want to be, not only for the amazing facilities, but for the opportunities this club gives to young players too. I was 11 when I joined the club, and obviously, because of that, I didn't have the greatest idea of what's happening. But you still have a little bit of understanding, and that's when you've got your parents and family to help you and guide you with it. I still remember them explaining to me what's happening, why it's happening, and what could be the best option for me. And I'll forever be grateful for their guidance. Five years on, and it's no surprise I have a massive soft spot for Arsenal, but I've got to be completely honest and say that my heart is with Luton Town. I spent five years there as well, and the development they gave me was massive, and I'll always appreciate that. My dad and I were season ticket holders too, and we'd literally watch every home game after I'd been playing in the morning, so they've played a massive part in my life. My dad also supports another team called Deportivo La Coruna because he grew up in Spain. Maybe one day I could play for them too. I've always had an appreciation for that Spanish style of play. Growing up I adored Santi Cazola as a player and Cesc Fabregas and Mikel Arteta were some of my favourites too. But there's something about Santi for me and the qualities that he had. He was something else. As a midfield player, there's so much I can learn from him, but from an attitude and professionalism perspective, and something a little closer to home. Another player I really look up to is Buka Osaka. He's two years older than me, and I'm working my hardest to try and follow in his footsteps. That's the pathway I want to take at Arsenal. Born Watford, October the 17th, 2003. Joined Arsenal under 12s 2015. Height and weight 6 feet and 73 kilos. Position centre midfield 8. School Oldham School Elstree. Rate yourself. Speed 70. Shooting 83. Dribbling 89. Passing 93. Defending 81. Charlie Patino, low down. Earliest memory of football, getting scouted for Luton. First footballer I looked up to, Andres Iniesta. Favourite football shirt I've owned, Spanish one with David Villa on the back. Favourite pair of old boots, Adidas F50. Best friend in football, Ben Wayman. Best ever goal, 
overhead kick versus Barnett for Luton. Best player I've ever faced, Carlos Alvarez, Sevilla. Best game ever, England versus Spain under-17 when captain. Best moment of my career, training with the first team. The stadium I'd like to score in, New Camp. Player to score a one-on-one to save my life, Messi. Best training ground tip I've been given. Treat every training session like it's your last, Mikel Arteta. My memorabilia, Luton Town home tickets. Another sport I'm good at, swimming, tennis. Favourite training drills, possession, rondos. Ambition this season away from the pitch, start driving. Most important non-playing attributes for young footballers. Being polite, treat everyone with respect. About me. Favourite footballer of all time, Andres Iniesta. Favourite Instagram follow, at Adi Most played Spotify artist, Lil Dirk, Heady One. Favourite musician, Lil Che. Pre-match song, Watch a Homie, Lil Dirk. Best football attribute, passing creativity. On an away day, I need iPad with Netflix. One thing I want to achieve, represent my country. If I wasn't a footballer, I'd be a pundit. First team player I look up to most, Danny Ceballos. Match reports. Arsenal versus Southampton. Arsenal 1, Southampton 2. Premier League 2, Friday, September the 11th, Arsenal Training Centre. For Arsenal under-23s, Macy, Alabiusu, substituted in the 63rd minute, Oyogoki, substituted in the 77th minute, McGuinness, Bowler, Aziz, Olyinka, Cottrell, Gurdjian, substituted in the 58th minute, Balogun, Lewis. Subs were Hilson, Ogumwo, who came on in the 77th minute, Akinola, who came on in the 63rd, Ulad Mhand, who came on in the 58th, and Makineff. We slipped to a 2-1 defeat against Southampton in our opening Premier League 2 fixture. Eight players remained in our starting eleven from our Leasing.com trophy victory over Ipswich Town just a few days earlier, but we were unable to match that same attacking intensity against the Saints. Matt Macy, Miguel Aziz, and Catalin Surgen were handed their first competitive starts of the season, replacing Tom Smith, Jordan Makineff, and Salah Eddin Ulad Muhand. The visitors started as the stronger side, yet it was Ben Cottrell who opened the scoring at the second time of asking, finishing from inside the area with his left foot. Southampton continued to dominate play, though, pressing high up the pitch, and they came close to an equaliser before the break through Kane Ramsey, who could only fire wide. It was more of the same in the second half, and Saints grabbed their reward through Josh Sims, only for Ramsey to be dismissed for a second yellow card offence. We should have kicked on and made our advantage count, but shortly after, Kigelo Shork reacted first inside the area to give the visitors the lead for the first time. Substitute Ulad Mahan carved out a late chance to salvage a share of the spoils, 
Rupert Harry Lewis was on hand to produce a fine diving save. Arsenal vs Southampton Under-18s Premier League South Arsenal Training Centre Saturday, September the 12th Arsenal 4, Southampton 2 Arsenal Under-18s Grashik, Lang, Ogumwo, Kirk or who was substituted in the 72nd minute Patino Flores, Bandera, Plange who was substituted in the 78th minute Hutchinson, Taylor Hart substituted in the 71st minute. Subs, Ejeri, Foran, who came on in the 72nd minute, Edwards, who came on in the 71st, Francis, Viga, who came on in the 78th minute. Our under-18s kicked off their 2020-21 season with an impressive 4-2 win over Southampton. Prior to this, Ken Gillard's side hadn't played a competitive fixture since early March, but there were no signs of rust as they delivered a complete team performance from start to finish. With plenty of new faces for a new season, the back four comprised of Levi Lang, Zach Orr, Alex Kirk and Mazid Ogombo, with Charlie Patino and Moro Bandera at the base of midfield and Marcello Flores further forward as number 10. Wingers Omar Hutchinson and Kido Taylor-Hart supported Luke Plange, who started through the middle. Latching on to a through ball from Taylor Hart, Plange opened the scoring with an impressive finish from a tight angle, before Ryan Finnegan inadvertently headed the ball into his own goal from a set piece. We were all over the Saints, and Flores made it three before the break, racing on to Hutchinson's through ball and rifling into the far corner. Goran Babic and Jaden Smith pulled two back for the visitors late on, but with one last counter-attack, Cairn Edwards fired home from close range and guaranteed all three points. Brighton and Hove Albion versus Arsenal, Premier League 2, Amex Elite Football Performance Centre, Friday, September the 18th. Brighton 2, Arsenal 2. Arsenal under-23s were Hilson, Alabuso, who was substituted in the 80th minute, Saliba, Ballard, Bola, Akinola, Cottrell, Oleenka, Ulad Mhand, Lewis, who was substituted in the 83rd minute, Balogun. Subs were Ejahiri, Oigoki, who came on in the 80th minute, Makanev, who came on in the 83rd, Sojan, Aziz. William Saliba starred for our under-23s as we secured a 2-2 draw with Brighton and Hove Albion on the road. Ben Cottrell and James Oleinka were the names on the score sheet, but it was the new defender Saliba who impressed most, showing great composure and quality to dominate play from deep. We started strongly and came close to an opener through Follerin Bulligan, who struck the post after regaining possession high up the field. George Lewis then went on to sting the gloves of Carl Rushworth with a dipping effort before Salah Adin Ulad Amhand and Balogun combined neatly on the edge of the area, only for the latter to be denied by a stunning save. The host then went on to take the lead against the run of play, with Teddy Jenks converting coolly from the spot. But on the stroke of half-time... Lewis skipped past his marker on the edge of the area with some fine footwork before playing an inch-perfect pass for Cottrell to finish into the far corner.
The England Under-18 International has now scored in each of our PL2 fixtures this season. We continue to push forward after the restart and were duly handed our reward, with Saliba playing a key role in the goal. The France Youth International skipped forward out of defence and played a probing pass into the attack where Olienka was able to turn and finish into the bottom corner. We went on to create a number of other promising opportunities, but in the end, we were made to pay for our missed chances as Danny Cashman headed home at the far post for a share of the spoils. Academy News Time to make his mark. Mark McGuinness has joined League One side Ipswich Town on loan until the end of the season. The 19-year-old defender has been with us since he was 10 years old and has progressed through our Hale End Academy, signing his first professional contract in April 2019. Mark has been a regular in our youth sides during his development in recent years, featuring prominently in our under-18s and last season making his debut for the under-23s. The Republic of Ireland Youth International trained regularly with the first-team squad this pre-season and made an impact in the friendly match at Milton Keynes Dons in August, scoring in a 4-1 win. He then went on to deliver an outstanding performance against Ipswich Town in the Leasing.com Trophy, guiding our under-21s to a hard-fought 2-1 victory. Everyone at Arsenal wishes Mark all the best for his season with Ipswich Town. New date for under-23s. We have received confirmation that our Premier League 2 fixture against Chelsea has been rearranged. The game will now take place today, Sunday, October the 4th, having originally been scheduled for Saturday, October the 3rd. The game will take place at Kings Meadow Stadium at 12pm. There will be a match report in the next programme. Final checker trade fixture confirmed. We have received confirmed fixture details for our final group stage outing in the EFL Trophy against Gillingham. Steve Bull's side will travel to Priestfield Stadium on Tuesday, November the 10th, with kick-off taking place at 5.30pm. Our under-21s will be aiming to progress to the knockout stages of the competition after securing a 2-1 win over Ipswich in early September. George Lewis and Fulham in Bellagan were the names on the score sheet. Lone Stars on target in League One. Young Gunners forward Trey Coyle scored what proved to be the winning goal for Gillingham as they beat Wigan 3-2 at the DW Stadium on September the 19th. Coyle banked his first League One goal of the season in the break in the 62nd minute. Scott Robertson laid the ball off on the edge of the box and our on-loan youngster bent the ball beyond Jamie Jones for the crucial third goal. In that match, fellow on-loan Gunners youngster Zach Madley was an unused sub, but he played the full 90 minutes last weekend as Gillingham beat Blackpool 2-0 to send the Kent club seventh in the league. Our young striker Tyrese John-Jules was also on the score sheet for his loan club, Doncaster Rovers, as they beat Charlton 3-1 at the Valley on September the 19th. He scored a superb individual goal, picking the ball up on the corner of the box, beating two men and firing into the roof of the net. The following week, Doncaster beat Bristol Rovers 4-1, lifting them to fourth in the League One table, 
and though Torres didn't get on the score sheet, he did assist Rovers' final goal for John Taylor, and his performance so impressed the Donny supporters he was voted their man of the match. Academy alumni Catching up with former Arsenal Academy players as they continue their pro careers away from Emirates. Stephen Bradley When Shamrock Rovers entertained AC Milan and Zlatan Ibrahimovic in the Europa League last month, keen students of the Arsenal Academy will have noticed a familiar face on the sidelines, barking orders to his impressive underdogs. Stephen Bradley has been head coach at Rovers since 2016, appointed aged just 31, and guided Rovers to the Europa League via a second place in the Irish League. But it all started at Arsenal, when 16-year-old Stephen joined our academy as a scholar at the start of the 2001-2 season in a cohort that included Justin Hoyt, Seb Larson, and current under-14s academy coach Adam Birchall. A star of Republic of Ireland junior side, Stephen was a highly skilled attacking midfielder of whom there were high hopes, and he signed a three-year professional contract two years after arriving at the club. Unfortunately, things didn't quite pan out for the Dubliner, who later admitted it was too much too soon, and with his motivation waning and world-class options ahead of him in the first team, including the recently arrived Cesc Fabregas, after a loan spell at Dunfermline in Scotland, he headed back to Ireland in 2005. The Republic of Ireland under-21 international enjoyed a successful career in the League of Ireland, playing for Drogheda, Shamrock Rovers, St. Patrick's Athletic and Limerick, voted into the FAI Team of the Year in 2012, he retired from playing two years later and took up a coaching role at Shamrock Rovers before being appointed as caretaker manager, then manager, and proving a great success at the helm of the Hoops, winning the 2019 Irish Cup and qualifying for the Europa League. Interestingly, Rovers' team against AC Milan included Aaron McAneff, brother of the current Arsenal Academy player Jordan McAneff. Playing for Milan was Ishmael Benaccia, who was with our academy between 2015 and 2017. Fourteen times. Fourteenth Premier League game. In August, we lifted the FA Cup for a record-extending 14th time. But it's not just our rich, illustrious history in football's oldest knockout competition, it is synonymous with the number 14. August 93. It happened on the 14th. Arsenal 0, Coventry City 3. It was the first game in front of the newly built North Bank stand, but this wouldn't turn out to be an occasion that any of the Arsenal fans among the 26,397 inside Highbury that Saturday afternoon will want to remember. For this game, nearly 30 years ago, remains the last time a visiting player scored a hat-trick against us. The man to claim the match ball was Coventry striker Mick Quinn, who made sure our 1993-94 Premiership season got off to the worst start possible, with goals in the 34th, 61st and 64th minutes. It was the first hat-trick scored by an opposition player in the league at Highbury for 75 years, 
and turned out to be the last ever in any competition. And no visiting player has yet departed from Emirates Stadium with the match ball, meaning Quinn's feat has gone unmatched in our past 748 home games. 14th Premier League game, November 2nd, 1992. Crystal Palace 1, Arsenal 2. Known as the Premiership when it was launched in 1992, we kicked off the brave new world of English football with a surprise 4-2 defeat to Norwich at Highbury. That was followed three days later by a 1-0 reverse at Blackburn, but things soon picked up for George Graham's side and three wins on the spin, including one at Anfield, moved us up the table. So we were up in fourth position after 13 games and the 14th was against lowly Crystal Palace in a rare Monday night fixture at Selhurst Park. Paul Merson fired us ahead after just five minutes, but Eddie McGoldrick, set up by Gareth Southgate, brought the hosts level with 20 minutes remaining. McGoldrick must have impressed Graham throughout the game as the Republic of Ireland international signed for the Gunners at the end of the season. But he would be on the losing side this time, with Ian Wright predictably netting the winner against his former team just four minutes later. It was his ninth goal of the season, he would go on to get 30 in all competitions and moved us up to third place, just a point behind early leaders Blackburn. This season would be all about the Cups for the Gunners though, as we became the first side ever to win both the League Cup and FA Cup in the same season. Joe Willock Arsenal Football Club prides itself on always looking forward. So we're asking our players to gaze into the future to see what's on the horizon. What type of training do you most look forward to? I love small-sided games. I love competing, to be honest. So whenever it's about keeping possession or something that we can really compete against another team with, I love it. I really enjoy learning too. And that's something that's increased since Mikel's been at the club. He's really tactical and it's really helped me to improve my game. How far forward do you look at the fixture list? Honestly, as players, I think the fixture list isn't as quite as big as a thing. We just try and take each game as it comes. And we try our best not to get carried away with difficult periods or anything like that. We just try our best to control what we can control. What is your perfect night before a match day? I like to have a nice dinner with my brothers and then I'll speak to them about whether I'm starting or if I'm on the bench or how I can impact the game from that position. I try to write down in my journal just what I want to achieve in the game too, whether that's scoring or dropping a big performance off the bench. It just helps me to visualise. In a dream world, what would be your next meal? My mum's goat curry. New car? A Lamborghini Auris. Trophy you would like to win. The World Cup. Things that you buy. A grassroots football team. New teammate, my brother, Chris. If you had to work in coaching, media or something non-football after your playing career, which would you choose? Right now, I'd want to get more involved in coaching or management. I'd love to help other people learn and I feel that I could be quite relatable to a lot younger kids who want to go that way. I've only really had short careers so far, but already I've been through quite a lot of things that people don't know about. So I'd love to help people who are going through the same things. I'd come out the other side and be the best that they can be. 
Whether that's on the football pitch or in something off it, I'd love to help people from all backgrounds. I started my coach's badge in school because it was compulsory at the time, so I think I've got my level two, but I'm not too sure. I really want to continue with what I've got when I'm more settled in my career. What managers or coaches would influence your management style? Mikel Arteta. I'm not just saying that because he's our current manager. The level of detail that he goes into for even the smallest of things is incredible. I'd like to do that if I was the manager and, and well, he blew us away when he first arrived. He treats everyone at the club the exact same too. From the canteen ladies to the cleaners to us, the players. And I really like that. He's a great reminder that wherever you go, whoever you meet, you're representing the Arsenal. Freddie Lundberg taught me a lot too. He was brilliant to work with the under-23s and he really helped me to find my feet with the first team. Thierry Omri is another coach that I admire. He was brilliant for my development when he was here. They're all legends, so hopefully I can emulate what they've done at the club. What club would you never sign for? Oh, that's easy. Tottenham. What other profession would you love to try after you leave football? Outside of football, I'd love to go abroad and work with charities to help underprivileged children. Hopefully, if they have a successful career, then I won't have to work after football and I could put myself in a position to help others through charities and, and foundations. There are lots of kids out there who have never been given the chances, the opportunity that I've been given, so I'd like to do everything I can to help them. What are you looking forward to doing once you retire that you can't do now? I think I'd just like to travel the world, really. And there are so many things that I've never seen or experienced as I'm getting older. I'm realising the importance of seeing those things and it's something I really want to do. I'd love to set off with my family one day and know that we have all the time we want to share and enjoy those experiences. That would be cool. What other places would you like to see once you stop playing? I'd love to go back to where my family are from, a small island in the Caribbean called Montserrat. I'd love to go there for a few months of the year and do a tour of all the Caribbean islands. I like the sound of that. I also love to go and see the things like the pyramids. Those are the things that you don't really get to see as a player. What do you want to achieve away from football? I'd love to leave behind a legacy, not only for my family, but for other kids that can say Joe Willock made it and he helped us. I want to be there for them to remember. My name for the right reasons. For giving people the opportunities and belief to succeed is what they want to do in life. I want to help others, and if they can help someone because of it, then I'll be happy. Who do you think is the next big thing? There's a lot of crazy talent out there at the moment. I'm seeing lots of videos on Instagram and Twitter of kids at youth level just killing it. I love seeing that, but one player who I really rate is Miguel Aziz. He plays for our under-23s right now, and he's very talented. Who will win the next World Cup? England. How do you plan your meals over the week? This is something I've really been focused on this year. It wasn't something I paid great attention to last season, but I wanted a bowl cup now. And if you want to do that, you need to put plans in place. Do you have a project from what you're working on a moment away from football? I've got a few things that I'm working on, but i like to save that for another time. I'm keeping it hush. What invention does the world need most, in your opinion? Time travel. And finally, you are told there's a spare seat on the next International Space Station trip. Do you go? And if you do, who two seats would you want to go with you? 
Yes, of course I'm going, and I'm bringing Reese with me for the jokes. One person I wouldn't bring is my girlfriend. That would be a headache. Volunteer Police Cadets, the Arsenal Foundation, my story. The work of the Arsenal Foundation and the partners and initiatives it supports have touched the lives of a great number of people in a variety of ways. The Arsenal Foundation has helped to fund expeditions for the Volunteer Police Cadets, which offers young people the opportunity to learn new skills via the Mayor's Office for Policing and Crime. Shazia Asif, 16, tells us what they get up to. I've been at Cadets for just over a year, and now I'm Head Cadet. I also like to play football, so I train at the Arsenal Hub on Saturdays and coach four- to six-year-olds at Tufnell Park Football School. I grew up in Luton, then moved around a lot, but now live in Finsbury Park with my mum and younger sister. I started going to the cadets because one of my friends who went would always tell me about all the fun and exciting things they got up to. I went along with her and I loved it. I was nervous, but the staff were so welcoming and everyone went out of their way to include me, even though I didn't have a clue what was happening. Now, as head cadet, I try to attend every session, which takes place on Tuesdays and Wednesdays during term time, and I sign up for every event possible. My first Duke of Edinburgh expedition was my bronze award in Epping Forest. We arrived at Loughton Station with our bags and were given a map and a compass. It took four hours to reach our destination, despite losing our point on the map. The expedition was two days and a lot of fun, despite the rain. Thankfully, we had our red waterproofs. I never cook at home. I just about make toast for myself. And we had to cook our own food. No one wanted the pressure of cooking for everyone, so I volunteered and I loved it. I managed to make instant noodles and pasta, and no one got sick. It was only noodles, but we all start somewhere, and I started to cook in the woods of Epping Forest. We definitely built closer bonds as a team, looking after and helping each other, whether that was carrying bags, putting up tents, or just motivating each other. My ambition is to go into criminology. I'm fascinated by the events in someone's life that could change them in that way. At Cadets, we sometimes play games where we have to figure out who the killer is, and these kinds of activities motivate me into pursuing that career path even more. I think it's great that the Arsenal Foundation have helped to fund our expeditions. As a teenager, I can honestly say we like practical things. We like doing stuff, camping out, going to places, and we learn more by doing the things we love. We learn so much and experience so much too. That is why funding and all the help we can get is so important. For more info, visit www.vpc.police.uk. Man Junction. Carabao Cup Round 3. 7:45 p.m. Wednesday, September the 23rd, King Power Stadium. Leicester City Nil, Arsenal, two. Scored by Fuchs in the 57th minute by an own goal and Ankitia in the 90th minute. Match stats, total shots, Leicester 5, Arsenal 13.
Shots on target, Leicester 2, Arsenal 6. Corners, Leicester City 2, Arsenal 3. Offside, Leicester 2, Arsenal 1. Fouls, Leicester 12, Arsenal 12. Possession, Leicester 46%, Arsenal 54%. Playing for Arsenal were 1, Leno, 15, Maitland-Niles, 16, Holding, 23, David Lewis, 31, Kalajinak, 25, Elnady, 28, Willock, substituted in the 77th minute, 7, Saka, substituted in the 87th minute, 30, Enkitia, 18, Pepe, 24, Nelson, substituted in the 71st minute, substitutes, Runason, Bellerin, who came on in the 87th minute, Saliba, Ceballos, who came on in the 77th minute, Shaka, Willian, who came on in the 71st minute, and Lacazette. For Leicester City, 12, Ward, 5, Morgan, 18, Amate, 28, Fuchs, 33, Thomas, 7, Gray, 10, Madison, who was substituted in the 72nd minute, 11, Albrighton, 14, Ihenacho. 20. Chowdhury. 32. Dewsbury Hall, who was substituted in the 76th minute. Substitutes Yakupovic, Justin Knight, Tealmans, Barnes, Pride, who came on in the 72nd minute, and Perez, who came on in the 76th. First half. Kalachi Ihianaccio blustered a shot wide in the opening 60 seconds for the hosts before Rhys Nelson sent an effort towards the top corner, only for Danny Ward to tip over. Lena then saved well from Ihianaccio after he'd been put through by Michael Brighton, but we began to assert control, pinning the host back as we prodded and probed. The lively Bukhe Osaka sent a fine ball right across the face of goal, and then went down under a tackle by Daniel Amate in the area, but the referee waved play on. Nelson had a golden chance just after the half-hour mark, but he prodded his shot wide before the half closed with James Madison curling an effort onto the inside of the post and back into Leno's hands. Second half. The second half got off to a quieter start than the first, but ten minutes in, we took the lead as Nicolas Pepe's shot deflected off the post onto the legs of Christian Fuchs and in. We continued to press and came close to doubling our lead when Eddie and Keitia lobbed Ward only to see Wes Morgan race back and head off the line. Leicester pushed for an equaliser in the closing stages and nearly had one, but Ayose Perez headed wide from close range before Enkitia made sure of our place in the fourth round in injury time after poking in from close range. Just two photographs with this report. The larger one has the caption, A wry smile from Nicolas Pepe after his run had prompted the own goal that left Leicester on their knees. The smaller one has the caption, 2-0 Eddie Enkitia shows his determination to get the ball over the line. Sheffield United Formed 1889 Nickname The Blades Stadium Bramall Lane
Honours First Division Premier League winners 1897-98 Second Division Championship winners 1952-53 Third Division League 1 winners 2016-17 Fourth Division League 2 winners 1981-82 FA Cup winners 1899-1902-1915 and 1925-1925 the Charity Shield in 1898. Owner, Abdullah bin Musad bin and Abdulaziz Al Saud. Chairman, Musad bin Khalid Al Saud. Social followers, Twitter, 374,000. Instagram, 379,000. Facebook, 356,000. Sheffield United know that they will have their work cut out to make the 2020-21 season as productive and successful as 2019-20, the club's first in the Premier League for 13 years. The Blades surprised all and sundry by challenging throughout last season for a European place, only to come unstuck with defeats in their last three matches and end up in what was ultimately, given what had gone before, a disappointing ninth place. Nevertheless, with fellow newly promoted sides Norwich City and Aston Villa both fighting relegation all season, the former in vain, the latter with success, it was a stirring effort from manager Chris Wilder and his side to finish where they did. Very few pundits had the 2018-19 championship runners-up down to survive the drop, let alone claim a final placing in the top half of the table. With 14 wins, 12 draws, 12 defeats, 39 goals for, and the same number against, it was a thoroughly satisfactory return to the elite and by far the best of the club's four Premier League campaigns. Now the task for the South Yorkshire club is to prove that last season was not just a one-off and that they have found the spirit, resolve and wherewithal to consolidate their current status and make 2020-21 another season to remember. Unfortunately, they have not made the best of starts, stretching their run of Premier League defeats to six in a row with three losses out of three last month. 2-0 at home to Wolves, 1-0 away at Aston Villa and, particularly painfully, 1-0 last weekend at Bramall Lane in the local derby against newly promoted Leeds United. The Blades visit Emirates Stadium knowing that they had the better of their two league fixtures with Arsenal last season winning the game 1-0 at Bramall Lane last October, with Elise Mousset strike, before holding the Gunners 1-1 in the Emirates' return thanks to a John Fleck equaliser that, despite coming late in the game, was certainly deserved after a very impressive performance from Wilder's team. Arsenal did, however, knock Wilder's men out of the FA Cup in late June, winning the quarter-final 2-1 at Bramall Lane, courtesy of Danny Caballos' stoppage-time winner shortly after David McGoldrick had equalised Nicolas Pepe's first-half penalty. United have already experienced further cup disappointment this term, going out of the EFL Cup in the second round on penalties after a 1-1 draw against Burnley at Turf Moor, with Ollie McBurney missing the only one of the ten spot kicks in the shootout. From now until January, the club therefore have only the Premier League to concern themselves with. Their first game after the forthcoming international break is at home to Fulham, but after that they face successive games against Liverpool away 
and Manchester City at home. It promises to be a testing October for Wilder and his players. Mutual Admiration Bob Benson made 283 league appearances for Sheffield United after signing from Southampton in May 1905. Famous for scoring penalties, he notched 20 of them in eight years with the Blades. The full-back earned one England cap before heading to Arsenal at their new Highbury home in November 1913. He played two seasons before the First World War broke out, operating as a centre-forward on occasions, and scored seven goals in 54 appearances for the Gunners. But Bob is most famous for his tragic death. Working for the Royal Arsenal Ordnance Factory during the war, he attended a wartime march at Highbury and persuaded a teammate to let him play in his place. After an hour, he left the pitch complaining of stiffness in his legs. He collapsed in the dressing rooms and died of a burst blood vessel. He was just 33. Buried wearing his Arsenal shirt, the club played a benefit match the following year with all money going to his family. Number 1. In goal, Aaron Ramsdale. Goalkeeper. Born, Chesterton, 14th of May, 98. Previously, Sheffield United, Bournemouth, Chesterfield, Wimbledon. Aaron returned to the club that developed him where he left Bournemouth for Sheffield United in a 18.5 million four-year contract in August. The England Under-21 International was the Cherries' first choice goalkeeper last season, having made his Premier League debut against Sheffield United following an impressive loan spell at AFC Wimbledon. The 22-year-old has a tough act to follow, replacing Dean Henderson, who returned to his parent club, Man United, this summer. Number 6. At the back, Chris Basham. Defender. Born, Hebben, 30th of May, 88. Previously, Bolton, Stafford Rangers, Rochdale and Blackpool. A Sheffield United player since 2014, when he joined from Blackpool, Chris has racked up 285 appearances in all competitions for the Blades, winning two promotions and has started all 41 of their Premier League matches since the club's return to the elite last year forming a rock-solid alliance with fellow centre-backs John Egan and Jack O'Connell. The 32-year-old central defender also played briefly in the top flight earlier in his career for Bolton and Blackpool. Number 2. On the right, George Baldock, midfielder. Born, Buckingham, 9th of March, 93. Previously MK Dons, Northampton, Tamworth, IBV and Oxford United. George took a long and circuitous route to the Premier League, his CV even including a loan spell in Iceland with IBV of the Vestman Islands in 2012. Having re-established himself back at first club MK Dons in League One in 2016-17, he moved to Sheffield United where he has made the right wing back slot his own. He was a Premier League ever-present last term, scoring two goals away to Tottenham 1-1 and the winner at Norwich 2-1. Number 3. On the left, Ender Stevens, midfielder. Born, Dublin, Republic of Ireland. 9th of July, 1990. Previously, UCD, St. Patrick's, Shamrock Rovers, Aston Villa, Notts County, Doncaster, Northampton and Portsmouth. The native Dubliner began his career in the League of Ireland before joining Aston Villa in January 2012. 
He made just seven Premier League appearances for Villa before a number of loan spells led to a permanent move to Portsmouth in 2015. Two years later, Ender signed for the Blades and has been on the left flank ever since, starting all 38 Premier League matches last term. He is a current Republic of Ireland international with 16 caps. Number 16, in the middle, Oliver Norwood, midfielder. Born, Burnley, 12th of April, 91. Previously, Man United, Carlisle, Scunthorpe, Coventry, Huddersfield, Reading, Brighton and Fulham. Oliver made it three promotions to the Premier League in as many seasons when he helped the Blades go up in 2018-19 after previous successes with Brighton and Fulham. He initially moved to United on loan before signing a permanent deal in January 2019. He enjoyed an outstanding debut campaign in the Premier League, starting 37 of the 38 matches and serving as the team's principal playmaker. His international career with Northern Ireland ended last year with 57 caps. Number 4. The Sweet Left Foot, John Fleck, midfielder. Born, Glasgow, 24th of August, 91. Previously, Rangers, Blackpool and Coventry. Once of Rangers, Scottish midfielder John spent four seasons as a regular League One starter for Coventry before joining United in 2016 and immediately helping them win promotion to the Championship. The diminutive left-footer was equally instrumental in getting the Blades back into the Premier League and has shone at the highest level, scoring five goals last term, the last of them to gain a draw at Arsenal, and becoming a full Scotland international in the process. Number 8. The January Bye. Sander Burge, midfielder. Born Bareham, Norway, 14th of February, 98. Previously, Asker, Valarenga and Genk. A Norway international who won his 21st cap in the recent Nations League opener against Austria, Sander became the Blades' record signing when he signed a four-and-a-half-year contract in January. His first goal came in a memorable 3-1 home win against Spurs in early July. A defensive midfielder, he had four seasons in Belgium with Genk, helping the club to the league title and the Europa League in 2018-19. Number 10, the local hero, Billy Sharp, midfielder. Born Sheffield, 5th of February, 86. Previously Sheffield United, Rushton, Scunthorpe, Sheffield United, Doncaster, Southampton, Nottingham Forest, Reading, Doncaster, Leeds. A living Bramall Lane legend, Billy's third spell at his hometown club has taken him past 100 goals for the Blades, though just three came in last season's Premier League, two against Bournemouth and one against Norwich. The 34-year-old striker and club captain was the Blades' top scorer in 2018-19, scoring 23 goals in the Championship, but was in and out of the starting eleven last term. The boss, Chris Wilder, born September 23, 1967, Stocksbridge, Sheffield. Previously, Ulfreton, 2001-2002, Halifax, 2002-2008, Oxford United, 2008-2014, Northampton, 2014-2016. A former right-back, Chris played for Sheffield United from 1986-92, to 92, 
and returned to Bramall Lane as manager in 2016, replacing Nigel Adkins, having just led Northampton to the League Two title. The 53-year-old has enjoyed enormous success at his boyhood club, winning League One in his debut season, finishing runners-up in the 2018-19 Championship, and then steering the club to its highest top-flight placing in 28 years. He has been voted Manager of the Year in all three divisions of the Football League and was not far off completing the set last season. Remember Kit Well, Sheffield United's kit sponsors. 1979-81, Caxtons. 1981-82, Bentleys. 1982-83, Renault. 1983-85, Simmons. 1985-88, Arnold Laver. 1988-95, Laver. 1995-99, Wards. 1999-2000, Blades. 2000-2002, Midas Games. 2004-2006, HFS Loans. 2006-2008, Capital One. 2008-2011, Visit Malta. 2011-2013, Westfield Health. 2013-14, Sportsgames.com. 2014-16, John Holland Sales. 2016-17, Alpha Rooms. 2017-18, Teletext Holidays. 2018-19, Ramsden's Currency. 2019-21, USG. Really? United midfielder John Fleck will probably be involved in Arsenal's 1079th Premier League game today. His uncle Robert played in just the Gunners' 11th game in the competition on October 3rd, 1992, his Chelsea side losing 2-1. When United chairman Kevin McCabe bought Hungarian giants Fevin Karos in 2008, ex-Arsenal winger Paul Shaw, who had recently played for Sheffield United, headed to Budapest and played two successful seasons there. On December 30th, 2006, United beat Arsenal 1-0 at Bramall Lane courtesy of a Christian Nade goal, an unforgettable match for Phil Jagielka. The defender, now back with the Blades, went in goal on the 61st minute following an injury to Paddy Kenny and successfully kept out an Arsenal attack spearheaded by Robin van Persie. Premier League record. AFC wins, 2. Draws, 4. SUFC wins, 2. Arsenal win percentage, 25. All-time record. AFC wins, 49. Draws, 28. SUFC wins, 40. Arsenal win percentage, 42. 3-0. Our first ever victory at Emirates Stadium was against Sheffield United in the Premier League on September 23, 2006. It finished 3-0 with all three scorers, William Gallus, Thierry Henry and a Phil Jagielka own goal, sharing a birthday. Scouting report. After three meetings with Sheffield United last season, a 1-0 defeat and a 1-1 draw in the league and a 2-1 victory in the FA Cup Arsenal should know what to expect from the Blades. But working out how Chris Wilder's side play is a very different task from stopping them, 
and his unique approach continues to cause opponents problems. Wilder's use of overlapping centre-backs is well known, although in reality this is only part of the plan. Chris Basham and Jack O'Connell certainly do scamper forward into positions you wouldn't expect of defenders, but this is simply one part of a Wilder strategy aimed to overload opponents in wide areas. The central midfielders often pop up close to the touchlines to create overloads, as does David McGoldrick, normally a centre-forward. From there, Sheffield United often play one more pass than you would expect, rotating players down the flanks to work the ball into a position to play a cross or a cutback. The major change from last season is in goal, where Dean Henderson has returned to Manchester United, with Aaron Ramsdale rejoining the club after three years at Bournemouth. In front of him, the three centre-backs are unchanged, with Basham and O'Connell playing either side of John Egan, who should return today after suspension. O'Connell, however, will miss out and could be ruled out for the rest of the season with a knee injury. Wilder's general approach in midfield last season featured Oliver Norwood sitting deep and spraying passes to the flanks, with John Fleck pushing forward to the left and John Lundstrom charging forward into the right channel, often popping up in goal-scoring positions. Record signing Sander Burge is likely to start more often this season, however, and seems most at home in Lundstrom's role. Out wide, the work of Ender Stevens and George Baldock often goes unnoticed. Both are capable of fine deliveries into the box from wide and both are also capable of popping up in narrow positions when a centre-back charges past them on the outside. Going forward, Wilder has five decent options. McGoldrick understands the system very well and no one else can play in his deep-lying, drifting role so effectively. Oliver McBurney is more of a target man and a target for crosses, while Billy Sharp is a veteran goal poacher often used from the bench. Liss Musset is good at running into the channels and scored the winner against Arsenal at Bramall Lane last year, while newcomer Oliver Burke was previously considered a wide player but demonstrated intelligent running and link play in the defeat to Aston Villa, when Egan's early red card meant he was forced to play up front alone. Sheffield United also do the scrappy things well. Their last-ditch defending is impressive and they offer a threat from set pieces. Wilder is a canny tactician too. In last season's 1-0 win over Arsenal, he switched from a back five to a back four and then returned to a back five to see out the victory. Arsenal women. News and reports from England's most successful women's football team. The FA Cup quarterfinal at Meadow Park, Saturday, September the 26th. Arsenal 4, Tottenham Hotspur 0. Lisa Evans hit a 16-minute hat-trick in the North London derby to book a place in the semi-finals of the Vitality Women's FA Cup. Jordan Nobbs was also on the score sheet, whilst Lottie Woden-Moy featured on her return to the club and Ruby Mace made her debut. We started strongly. We came close to an opener through Catelyn Ford, who saw her looping header bounce back off the bar from a stunning Leah Williamson delivery. But the remainder of the first half proved to be a tight contest, as Tottenham committed fouls high up the pitch to stifle our build-up play and restrict space in the final third. We continue to push on, 
Through after and missing a number of golden opportunities, Nobbs pounced on a defensive error to brilliantly curl the ball into the top corner from 30 yards. Evans went on to double our lead with a cool finish, conveying Vivian Mandima's defensive splitting pass before scoring her second of the evening with an instinctive left-footed effort. But our number 17 wasn't done there. In search of a late comeback, Topman pushed high up the pitch and let themselves exposed on the break, allowing Beth Mead to break free down the right and tee up Evans for her hat-trick. North London is red. Arsenal women have won every single match they've played against Topman ever. Indeed, the last four fixtures have seen an aggregate score of 22-0, with the last four results reading 10-0, 2-0, 6-0 and 4-0. Long may the run continue. Women hit seven figures. The level of support for Arsenal women was highlighted this week when their official Instagram account hit 1 million followers. The first women's football team, in fact, female team in any sport, to hit that mark. Truly an incredible support. Thanks to everybody who follows the Gunners. And congratulations to Ruby Mace, who made her very first team debut in the victory over Tottenham. Ruby from Havering in East London is very proud of the Arsenal Women's Academy and only celebrated her 17th birthday on September the 5th. But didn't look out of place when she came on for captain Kim Little towards the end of the match. Here's to many more for Ruby. Premier League, match day three, 8pm, Monday, September 28th, 2020. Anfield. Liverpool three, scorers. Mane, 28, Robertson, 34, Yota 88. Arsenal 1. Scorer, Lacazette, 25. Match stats. Total shots, Liverpool, 21, Arsenal, 8. Shots on target, Liverpool, 4, Arsenal, 3. Corners, Liverpool, 7, Arsenal, 3. Offsides, Liverpool, 0, Arsenal, 5. Fouls, Liverpool, 11, Arsenal, 7. Possession, Liverpool, 66%. Arsenal 34%. Teams Liverpool number 13 Allison number 66 Alexander Arnold yellow card number 12 Gomez number 4 Van Dyke number 26 Robertson number 5 Wijnaldum number 3 Fabinho number 8 Keita substitute 80th minute number 11 Salah number 9 Firmino Substitute, 90th minute. Number 10, Mane. Substitute, 80th minute, yellow card. Substitutes, Adrian. Williams, Milner, 80th minute. Minamino, 90th minute. Yota, 80th minute. Jones, Origi. Arsenal, number 1, Leno. Number 2, Bellerin, yellow card. Number 16, Holding. Number 23, David Luiz. Number 3, Tierney. Number 25, El Neni. Number 34, Zaka. Substitute, 60th minute. Number 15, Maitland-Niles. 
Number 9, Lacazette, substitute, 73rd minute. Number 14, Aubameyang. Number 12, Willian, substitute, 68th minute. Substitutes, Renosson, Gabriel, Kalasinak, Ceballos, 60th minute, yellow card. Saka, Pepe, 68th minute. Nicotia, 73rd minute. First half, we matched Jurgen Klopp's team during a feisty start to the game. Sadio Mane clattered Hector Bellerin in the opening seconds and then earned a yellow card for striking Kieran Tierney in the face. The champions slowly got on top. Rob Holding, David Luiz and Granit Xhaka made vital interventions. Bound Leno saved from Mane and then Trent Alexander-Arnold's effort deflected off Bellerin and hit the crossbar. Then, against the run of play, we struck in strange fashion. Ainsley Maitland-Niles' cross was miscued by Andy Robertson and the ball dropped for Alexander Lacazette. He scuffed his shot into the ground, but the ball bounced in over Allison. Our joy was short-lived, however. Mane tucked home after Bernd Leno had saved from Mo Salah and then Robertson ghosted into the box and flicked home to give Liverpool the lead. Second half. We regrouped and competed better after the break. Holding impressed with a number of vital blocks, and at the other end, substitute Danny Sabalos slid a perfect ball through to Lacazette, only for Allison to charge out and block the shot. But Liverpool had plenty of chances too. Substitute Diogo Jota missed the best of them on his debut before striking with just two minutes to play to settle the contest. Teams For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta, red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and socks. 1. Bernd Leno, goalkeeper. 2. Hector Bellerin. 3. Kieran Tierney. 4. William Saliba. 5. Socrates Popastathopoulos. 6. Gabriel. 7. Bukayo Saka. 8. Danny Ceballos. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 10. Mesut Ozil. 11. Lukas Torreira. 12. Willian. 13. Alex Runason, goalkeeper. 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. 15. Ainsley Maitland-Niles. 16. Rob Holding. 17. Cedric Suarez. 19. Nicolas Pepe. 20. Schroeder Mustafi. 21. Callum Chambers. 22. Pablo Mori. 23. David Lewis. 24. Reese Nelson, 25, Mohamed Elneny, 28, Joe Willock, 29, Matteo Ganduzi, 30, Eddie Nkitia, 31, Zird Kolasinac, 32, Emil Smith-Rowe, 33, Matt Macy, goalkeeper, 34, Granit Xhaka, 35, Gabriel Martinelli, 5, 4, 3, 2, for Sheffield United, manager Chris Wilder. Pink shirts, grey shorts and pink socks. 1. Aaron Ramsdale, goalkeeper. 2. George Baldock. 3. Ender Stevens. 4. John Flake. 5. Jack O'Connell. 6. Chris Basham. 7. John Lundstram. 
8. Sander Berge 9. Ollie McBurney 10. Billy Sharp 11. Lise Mousset 12. John Egan 13. Max Lowe 14. Oliver Burke 15. Phil Jagielka 16. Oliver Norwood 17. David McGoldrick 18. Wes Fodderingham 19. Jack Robinson 20. Jaden Bogle 21. Michael Varrips, goalkeeper 22. Ethan Ampadu 23. Ben Osborne 25. Simon Modre, goalkeeper 26. Jack Rodwell 28. Regan Slater 29. Keane Bryan 42. Zach Brunt Match officials Referee Lee Mason Assistant referees Mark Skulls Timothy Wood Fourth official Robert Jones VAR official Andre Mariner Additional VAR official Peter Kirkup Today's other fixtures Southampton vs West Bromwich Albion at 12pm Leicester City vs West Ham United at 12pm Wolverhampton Wanderers vs Fulham at 2pm Manchester United vs Tottenham Hotspur at 4.30pm Aston Villa vs Liverpool at 7.15pm The Arsenal Foundation Helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport Deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 